HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Cutting the Curd is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American international style and original cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country? For more information, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. I'm Erica Wides, host of Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello and welcome to Cutting the Curd here on the Heritage Radio Network. This is Greg Blaze and Diane Stemple, your co-hosts for today's episode. How are you, Diane? Good, great. <laughs> Diane and I both spent last week in California at the American Cheese Society Conference in Sacramento. It was an awesome time, and today we want to recap the conference for all of you who weren't able to make it, and for those of you who wish you were still there. <laughs> On the line, we have Deborah Dickerson, the sales manager for Cowgirl Creamery and a veteran of many cheese battles, organizer of the Festival of the Cheeses, which is exactly what it sounds like, a massive display and celebration of all the cheeses submitted to the conference. How are you doing today, Deborah? Terrific. Thank you so much. <laughs> After the break, we're also going to be talking to Jeremy Stevenson, the head cheesemaker at Springbrook Farm and the Farm for City Kids Foundation. Uh, Jeremy's amazing cheese, Tarantay's Reserve, won Best in Show at the conference this year. So, Diane and Deborah, what are your initial thoughts on the success of the conference this year? Better than ever. It was, it was the best conference yet, and I have attended quite a few, so I have some standards by which to measure Deborah, what do you think was different about this year's conference that made it even better than ever? Let's see. I, I was very impressed with the awards that were given um, to the cheeses entered. I was struck by how many new companies, new cheesemaking companies, were, um, were taking awards in, uh, as well as the, the standbys, those who have created you know, the industry like Cypress Grove and Judy Shad of Capriole. They still, year after year after year, bring home the awards. But I think that there's an influx of new people in the society, um, new people, new energy, new ideas. Um, and I, I noticed it this year um, in much more force than in previous years. So that speaks well for our future. Mm-hmm. It seemed like there was a good smattering of 
both states and cheesemakers throughout yes. the winnings. Yes, I agree. Uh, with the conference moving every year from East Coast to West Coast to center of the country to be able to include all of the cheesemakers, at least giving them an opportunity to come, I was impressed by the, by the representation as well. Definitely. I mean, Sacramento is a long ways away from where I was and a place, I got to be honest, and I'm not sure what was, I, did, I didn't know what was going to be going on there. But after I got there, I was really impressed with, uh, with the town. I thought it was a great place to hold the conference. There I was some too. awfully good food there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was. I, I have to say, because I needed to say this, there was a lunch restaurant that was right next to my hotel. It was called Bud's Buffet. Oh. That gave me the biggest sandwich I've had in a long time. And I think like half of them people in downtown Sacramento were at this restaurant um, or the working people. What about Hawk Farm uh, lunch we had the first day? That was fantastic, too. Um, More of a salad type place. um, I I was impressed with that with the town. It was really walkable. Um, There was really some really good events at the uh, at the conference, I thought, this year, too. Um, Deborah, what was your favorite uh, or what was an event or a seminar that stood out for you as being particularly good this year? Well, I attended practically none because I was prepping the 1,789 cheeses for the festival. But I was really impressed with um, bringing in things like the salamis um, and the you know the microbes and salamis and uh, the the relative um, association with cheese. I thought that that was great. The other thing that really impressed me is um, it seemed to me that the panels this year were were really thick and and meaty, if I may say. In, in content. You know, there wasn't a lot of fluff. It was really down deep in terms of uh, information that people could take and, and build upon. And that's, I love to see that. I love to see that. And they seem to be very well attended. Every time I yeah. went, I could barely find a, t- a seat. Well, do you think that that has a lot to do with uh, the emergence of, uh, like, the CCP and the, uh, and the focus on education for cheesemongers and makers in general? I think so, and I, I think also, you know, and Greg, you you and I know this better than most, but I think that cheesemongering is, um, is a profession that is uh, becoming recognized as one that is it's very evolving. honorable. Absolutely, um, and I country. think that um, in that, in that way, um, we're helping to step up the industry, right? It's not a part-time job to get through school anymore. Um, so it was I my was really impressed with that. And there school. was a lot of um, there were a lot of classes and seminars also on um, sanitation and sa- and safety, yeah, uh, which I think is great. I um for those of you who don't know that that Deborah is a veteran of many many conferences. And uh, how long have you been a cheesemonger, Deborah? God, since 1988. That's awesome. Uh, we used to uh, run cheese in from England, uh, from the Neil's Yard Dairy, and uh, I attended an ACS with Deborah back in, I think, 2001, maybe. And uh, you've been involved with the ACS and the, and the Festival of, of Cheeses for how many years? Well, I've worked on the festival for probably four years now, coming up on four years. And before that, I had the great pleasure of working in the judging, um, the competition and judging of the American cheeses, which was truly one of the best places to be as a cheesemonger because we got to see firsthand when the cheeses came in what people were submitting to be judged. And when I started in that role, I think we had 500 cheeses entered in the competition. And this year, again, 
again, we had like 1,700 cheeses entered. So you can see the, the growth curve there, which, again, speaks well to the industry and to the amazing cheesemonger makers, excuse me, who are, who are doing such great things out there. You know, I want to talk a bit about the massive volunteer efforts that are necessary oh. to pull off ACS. First of all is the receiving of the cheeses, which, Deborah, you were involved in for years. And now you're one of the people in charge of the Festival of Cheeses, which is also a massive undertaking. Do you want to talk about the differences between those two gigantic undertakings? Well, it takes a, it certainly does take a village to, to make it all happen. <laughs> I think that the the ability to see the cheeses coming in, right, which involves receiving them, cataloging them, taking them from their boxes that have been carefully and lovingly packed by the cheesemaker with their fingers crossed that it would make it to Sacramento unbruised and mm-hmm. undamaged, mm-hmm. right? So the, we're unpacking, we're, we're taking the names off them, we're giving them a code so they are anonymous as they make their way through the, the judging regimen. Um, and then they're judged and they're, um, they're tagged for winners, whether or not they've won uh, awards or not. Um, and then they're put back into a refrigerated truck again in their anonymity. Um, and for the festival, then we receive them again and they're inventoried numerous times to make sure that we have the cheese we think we have. It is the cheese we think it is. It's in great shape. Um, and then we bring it into the Festival of Cheese where it has its final hurrah, <laughs> which is what we do at the Festival of Cheese is that we put all of these cheeses out for the public and for the conference attendees to see. And um, the Festival of Cheese has gone through a couple enumerations. Um, at one point in time, it was, you couldn't imagine, there was thousands of pounds of cheese displayed at mm-hmm. this conference, right? Thousands and thousands of pounds. Cascading displays. And what would happen displays. at the end of the festival, it was more cheese than anyone could possibly eat. Oh. Any any 500 people could possibly eat. And so the cheese was swept into garbage and taken away, which just broke all our hearts. So about two years ago, we decided that what we would do is we would send more cheese to the the cheese sale, which happens the day after the conference, and the public comes and buys, and that we would take less to the festival. And the goal, we had two, two goals. One is that no cheese would be displayed in cubes. Right? No cubes. This is <laughs> a good rule. She's lovingly made. Right? That is a personal and, a personal standard of yours, Deborah. Well, yes, it is. <laughs> Shared by many. Shared by many. I cheese that it's, it takes so long and with so much care to be cut into a cube. Right, it's right, fast. right. There's nothing wrong with cubes. There's a place for cubes, but it is not at the Festival of Cheese. Yep. So anyway, we had no cubes and then, and then as little waste as possible. We wanted only cheese that could be then recycled by going to pig farmers, right, and and just as little as possible because the uh, the cheese sale generates um, scholarship money um, for the American Cheese Society. So all cheese must be put to good use. So, so none, been, of, none of the cheese at the end of the festival is allowed into the sale, even the chunks? Exactly, because it's been exposed, it's okay. been exposed to us humans. Okay. Well, that's, okay. God that's knows also, what we've done to it. So, oh, yeah, gosh. I mean, it was very warm there. I was wondering, how did you, how did you keep the cold chain just from getting obliterated? I mean... 
Great question. We one of the um, one of the folks who uh, is on the management team of team of the American Shoe Society. His name is Steve Bins. We we contract with the hotel, and we ask them that we need a room that can come down to 65 degrees. And the hotel agrees that that can happen, and that's the room that we prep in. About two weeks before the conference, we learned that this was not going to be possible. So we were panicked, right, because you get 100 volunteers in a room working feverishly with these cheeses, many of which are soft-ripened or um, relatively fresh cheeses, mozzarella, and that sort of thing. And the temperature can easily go up to 80, 85 degrees. So Steve, our hero this year, got us these blasters. They were <laughs> this blasters. huge machine with um, these um, flexible tubes that were about a foot in diameter. And you turn on this engine and it blasts out cold air and it just was, we were cold. We had to wear sweatshirts. I need one of those he for my amazing. apartment. <laughs> 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 well, this this thing would blow you away. I mean, it was okay. really it was a phenomenal it was a phenomenal feat. Well, I mean, that's it was. I mean, I know it seems like it was well over a hundred. And uh, to judging, I mean, I, I've judged in uh, cheese. I judged a couple of cheese competitions before, and I mean, when you have those delicate cheeses, like you say, like things with uh, like bloomy rinds and things like temperature fluctuation just makes those go to off flavors like mm-hmm. just like in a second. Yeah. So I mean that's that's yeah. that guy that guy man has an important job. That's really that's really great that he was Yeah, able he to did do a, that. he he really did well. And if I can also say the other thing that we were very cognizant of and, and have been, it's like when you have people people from off the street who volunteer their time, God love them, and you're cutting cheeses one after another, right? We have we have been very, very careful to make sure that one cheese the flavor of one cheese does not affect the flavor of another yeah, through sure. really conscientious sanitation. Um, so I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of the of the you know the respect that we gave to each cheese so each could shine on its own. But it is no small feat. I mean to tell you. What, one of the things that you did at the conference, which I thought was great, is that you gave a, a lifetime achievement award to a person who I believe is your mentor from uh, from Zingerman's, and he spoke, Ari spoke about uh, the beginnings of the ACS when there was, I don't know, a handful of cheeses, and it's, right. it, you know, it seems so much easier to keep 60 entries separate <laughs> than 1,400 entries, which it has grown to, I believe, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's an amazing process, both, I mean, I think all the way through the life of a cheese at the conference, it's just, uh, it's a lot of organization, and Ari was a part of it at the very beginning, and then we had people like uh, the Silversteins who were also recognized for their contribution. I think it was 2003, we were still using clipboards and <laughs> clipboards and paper to track the cheese, and when the Silversteins came on board in San Francisco, actually, you know, in, the, uh, in Silicon Valley here, we finally went to computers and pivot tables, and it enabled us to, to be able to, to go from you know, 60 cheeses to, to the 1,700 that we have now. Well, the, the gentleman in question, I never pronounce his name correctly. Wines uh, like. <laughs> and uh, that was a, a great moment in the conference, I thought. And he is just a very inspirational man who I had never met before the conference in all my years in cheese. And then I ran into him on the street corner <laughs> afterwards when he was walking back to his hotel. I just was hoping maybe you could just let us into how that felt for you to be able to give him that award and what, 
he has meant to you and that community or our community at large in just a few words? It might be impossible in just a few words. <laughs> I was, None of us are just very, a few words. I was here. very, very honored to be able to represent the members of the American Cheese Society to be able to give that award to Ari, and he is—he is the reason that I am—I am working with Cheese today. He is, and his partner Paul Saginaw is absolutely inspirational, and they are the. Um, the owners of Zingerman's Delicatessen and uh, the Zingerman's community of business with their partners. And they're very, they're very creative in the way that they approach business. They're very empowering to their employees and their partners. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with Zingerman's, you should definitely go online. I highly recommend you order uh, through their mail order, their banana chocolate bread. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, but they make cheese, and each part of their business has a partner, right? So the, the fellow who makes the cheese, John Loomis, is a partner in the business, and the fellow who does mail order is a partner in the business. So they've, they've really branched out, and it's allowed them to grow, and it's allowed them to uh, really touch millions of people and uh, educate them to good food. The other thing that I'll say is their, their marketing is just absolutely genius. If you order from them, the boxes are all, they have drawings on them, these adorable caricatures of my banana chocolate bread had a banana that was lying in the sun in the Caribbean with pieces of chocolate melting all over them. Anyway, sure. it's adorable. <laughs> they do, they, that, that, I, I can only speak to Ari's um, genius through the specifics of what he does. It's really, and he's one of the kindest people I know. He always answers your email. He always returns your phone call. He always has a moment to talk. Um, anyway, he inspires me. Deborah, uh, you inspire lots of us, too. Uh, we're going to have to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to continue to talk with Diane Stemple, Deborah Dickerson, and we're going to bring Jeremy Stevenson on. Stay with us. Dairy Farm families of Wisconsin and the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board are proud to underwrite Cutting the Curd on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Wisconsin cheeses have an illustrious heritage of more than 170 years of quality and craftsmanship. During this long and rich history, the art and science of cheesemaking have been captured in time-honored traditions that produce cheese varieties of unsurpassed excellence. Today, Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country. To learn more, visit www.eatwisconsincheese.com. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd, broadcasting live on the Heritage Radio Network. In the studio, I have my co-host, Diane Stemple, and on the line, we have Deborah Dickerson. We were just speaking about the American Cheese Society Conference, which took place last week in Sacramento. On the other line, we're fortunate enough to be joined by the best-in-show winner for his spectacular cheese, Tarantay's Reserve, made in Reading, Vermont, 
How are you doing, Jeremy Stevenson of Springbrook Farms? What's going on? Hey, Greg. Um, back in Vermont and still feeling that love. <laughs> 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 Did people applaud yeah, when you got to work this morning? Pardon? Did people applaud when you got to work this morning? No, they didn't organize a committee or anything. No, it was great, though. Everybody everybody could sense, you know, everybody knew how important this was and how what an honor it was, you know. Okay. So, can you tell us? Yeah. Can you tell us what went through your mind when they called your name for best in show? Shock. I think <laughs> immediately I was just, you know, just very surprised. You didn't. And, um, you weren't then, expecting it. Immediately after that, extremely happy. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, we. You, we've been buying uh, so your Tarantese Reserve at Italy for a piece. I love that cheese. I love all of the cheeses that uh, that come from from you guys. Um, maybe you could speak just a little bit um, for those uh, who don't know um, about um, <clears throat> the foundation that your farm supports and uh, how how that coincides with the great cheese that you make. Yeah, well, Farms for City Kids has been been an active dairy farm for 20 years. The Springbrook Farm, as part of Farms for City Kids, has been um, a working dairy farm, which is also doubling as a a, uh, a classroom. So we have kids coming up every week uh, for five days, and they get a farm-based curriculum with their teachers and our ed staff. Um, so it's an amazing program. And then six years ago, they... Uh, the cheese house started up. The uh, the board decided that they'd like to um, add value to the milk, which is definitely a, a losing proposition. Fluid milk's not profitable, especially in Vermont, uh, for a small farm. We only have 40 Jersey cows, so, you know, limited production. And they don't give a lot of and, milk up uh, anyway, correct? <laughs> Sorry, you broke up there, Greg. Sorry. So they don't give a lot of milk up anyway, right? I mean, so. Well, uh, these jerseys are very productive, uh, you know, as as individual cows. But you know, forty cows is is not a huge amount of milk. Um, and yeah, so so you know, with with cheese, we're really seeing, uh, I think, triple the return on on the milk. That's fantastic. Um, and. I, yeah, and I think that's fairly typical of um, a, a, a farmstead cheese operation. How do you think uh, winning the award can uh, will affect your mission on the farm? I, it makes everybody feel really good. And those kids <laughs> see, you know, the awards that we win, they, they come in and they learn mm-hmm. about the milk, how the milk is made, about the cows, how you take care of cows, what a dairy barn is, and then they, during the week, they'll get a chance over in the uh, cheese house to go into the aging room, and we suit them up, teach them all about cleanliness, and and that's, you know, really a great way to illustrate to them the importance of hygiene, and and then they go into the aging room, and and when they come out, you know, it's... (laughs) It's a real, uh, you know, it's they've experienced something that uh, they never imagined mm-hmm. existed, mm-hmm. and they never look at cheese again yeah. the same way. What age kids do you have on the farm? They're fifth and sixth graders. Mm-hmm. So generally speaking, sometimes we get kids a little older, and sometimes mm-hmm. we'll get some fourth graders. Mm-hmm. So it's a very impressionable age, and it's really easy to work with them. Mm-hmm. They're just great. They so. haven't become jaded yet. 
<laughs> no, well, you know, they don't have as many distractions as maybe a seventh and eighth graders right, would. Right. Do they sleep over? Do they come from far away? Yeah, they come from Boston, New York, and other cities. Um, and sometimes it's it's not always urban kids. Sometimes kids from other parts of the country. Mm-hmm. But uh, they sleep at our dormitory, um, where you know we have bunk beds and we we prepare meals and mm-hmm. uh, and there's some classroom space there too. So yeah, they stay on the farm. They they get off the bus on Monday morning and they get back on it. Um, on Friday. I want to come up and stay in the bunk beds, dude. I want to come up and make cheese. I want, I want, I want to go into the aging room and be transformed well, forever. Yeah. Can I still do I that as a... I say, I'd love to be a fifth grader again, yeah. just so I can come. <laughs> Deborah, well, you're back. We, I thought get, we, had we lost do get a lot of requests, and then there's nothing to say that sometime in the future we couldn't organize a little bit more of an, you know, adult-oriented adult, right. uh, sessions. But an adult a week. A grown-up sleepover. Yes, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> We're but, lobbying um, for that. So I was wondering, um, so Deborah, you, as, a, as a judge, a former judge, and a person who's handled a lot of cheese at the ACS, what did you think of the, of the I mean, obviously we all think it's good, but what did you think when you tasted the, the Tarantays when you were chopping it up for the, for the Festival of Cheeses? You mean carefully and artfully displaying it on <laughs> When you were cubing it, when you were cubing it in massive cube piles. No cubes. You know, I, I have been a great fan of Tarantays uh, for a while now, and the Tarantays Reserve was... You know, not every cheese with more age added is better. And this cheese was absolutely magnificent. It, it, it had notes that lasted long and deep. It carried on a long conversation with me. It made me want to have another taste. It was really lovely. And I think, Jeremy, if I can just say your acceptance speech was so touching um, in the way that you reached out to the people who make the cheese and the, and the dairy farmers that you work with. It was really, um, it was really, it was very touching how you recognized all parts and all hands that contributed to that effort. Well, thank you, Deborah. Yeah, I, I was asking people how it sounded later on because I wasn't sure what I'd said, you know. <laughs> it sounded great. Say that in terms of how the wind will affect uh, will affect the farm, our phone has been ringing off the hook, um, <laughs> asking for the cheese. So <laughs> I you know, feel uh, yeah. I am hoarding it at Italy, <laughs> and you can all come buy some from me if you want. <laughs> That's advertising. <laughs> now wait a minute. I have I a mean, question. When did you start differentiating between uh, regular Tarantes and Reserve? We really got into that in a, f- a serious way, and I'd say say m- numerous customers started buying it about two years ago. Okay, I thought so, because so, I remember meeting you in Vermont a couple of uh, Vermont Cheesemaker Festivals ago, and you, pu- you were pulling it out of the bottom, saying, oh, I'll let you taste this, and that must have been well, the early reserve. Yeah, we we that's right. I used to call it the troublemaker because you put it out on the board, and you know everyone would want it, get really excited about it, and yeah, Got that going and maybe on it's again. still a bit of a troublemaker because right. we really have a very limited amount. Right, of it. right. Um, I mean, I think that you know the Tarantaise is essentially modeled on an abondance mm-hmm. from France, and that is typically a cheese. If Greg can help me out with this, but I think it's eaten you know in the neighborhood of four to six months it is um yeah so well, 
So when we started making it, you know, the, the word I got was, no, you don't want to age this cheese out. You don't want to do anything else with it. Um, sell it young. And, but then, um, you know, we make it with a lot of discipline and care. Um, and, you know, when we're getting good milk and the cheesemaker's doing a good job, then we'll produce a wheel which is capable of being carried out. And a lot of our cheese is capable of that. Um, but I... I I think there are certain wheels that are exceptional, and they're they're really well suited to the longer aging. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the cheese. But we we have a limited amount. It's it's right. it's yeah. How can you tell uh, our more innocent listeners how you determine which cheeses are going to be good when they age? Well, I was pushed to open some Tarantays at three months mm-hmm. um, for purposes of a. A, a research project mm-hmm. that a grad student was doing, and uh, so we were there with John Putnam and uh, comparing the two farms and the cheeses, and uh, of course Thistle Hill being the originator of Tarantays, mm-hmm. and and John from Thistle Hill was there with us, and so we tasted these wheels, and I was kind of horrified about doing this, but yet even at three months, that paste expressed a tremendous balance and and complexity. Mm-hmm. And that's what I look at for when we're going to age something out. Uh-huh. Um, if, if you're getting a little bit of a sting early on, you know, you probably don't want to carry that out for two years because it's going to become quite exaggerated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not necessarily a, a desirable trait if it gets too strong. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're looking for balance and complexity. Mm-hmm. And and those those are the keys for me. Okay, thanks. Uh, that, does that help? Or? Yes, Absolutely. yes. Well, I noticed uh, this is a um, a person who purchases Tarantays and the Reserve. They're the the younger ones, and uh, Deborah was the, the younger ones are uh, they're so floral, um, and the paste is so kind of yielding, and uh, and it's clean. And then when I taste the Reserve, I get all of these like savory and kind of like oniony notes, and uh, which are not present at all in the young one for me. You know, so it's a, it's a really great transformation for me, and I personally like Alpine cheeses that are aged out a little bit longer. The texture of, of the cheese becomes um, becomes for me um, just really optimal. It's nice and fudgy and dense, um, and it's not very too too salty. Um, I mean, obviously, other than than winning, which is the pinnacle of entering your cheeses at the ACS, <laughs> did you have a good time in Sacramento, hanging out with everybody and being a, being a part of what was going on? Oh yeah, it was great, and and I always do. I mean, it, you know, it is a great community and um, extremely supportive. And I, was, I, I mean, we're seeing cheesemakers winning awards that that haven't won awards before, and really, uh, uh, you know, really, it's really great to see see all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I yeah, have and of to course the that... sessions and the yeah. Sorry. I just wanted to say that I think that if you if you look back on on previous conferences, it is so amazing that every year the cheeses get better and better and better and better. I mean, it, it's phenomenal the quality of cheeses on that table, just amazing. Mm-hmm. I I mean I totally yeah. agree with that. I mean all the farmstead categories, but then you still you still have the 
the industrial ones that just still that still sort of soldier on. Like I believe I saw Cracker Barrel win like yes, three yes. Oh, like three Craft, three awards. Too. You know, yeah. it's true. They're extra aged. It was it was shocking. It was yeah. And there's always a lot of discussion of how can this happen. And it one, one one of the things that I noticed though that that made me really happy is that the Cracker Barrel people um, put the name of the cheesemaker oh, on awesome. the on the label, so they were able to differentiate. You know, one vat from another. So I think that that's uh, that's recognition where recognition is due. <laughs> yeah, that you know that's really interesting you say that because it's funny we're sort of the opposite at Springbrook. Like I've I've never entered a cheesemaker's name for the award because you know we we we, we really emphasize the team mm-hmm. approach. And there's only you know there's only four of us making cheese at any given time in a, in a year, but still. Um, yeah, and I'd heard Cracker Barrel ages on wood. Did I get that right? <laughs> oh, my goodness sakes. Oh, my goodness Oh, that could so be a I, rumor. <laughs> that's pretty awesome if they would. I, I, will actually, I don't know if I'm spreading a rumor here or if this is... You're a low-key guy. You're a low-key guy. I like that you, that you could stir the pot a little bit like that. Uh, that brings me to an interesting um, question and uh, maybe a good way to close out. Um, there was... An, there was a, a, uh, what could have been an elephant in the room, but a new presence at the uh, ACS conference this year, and that was the Food and Drug Administration. Um, they came and uh, talked to us after while well, we were digesting a massive pancake breakfast, I believe. Oh, no, that was the second, yeah, Ver- that was Vermont, the second one. <laughs> Vermont pancake breakfast. I feel like yeah. I had that breakfast every day. That was the one I remember <laughs> the best. Um, but I was wondering if you could speak just uh, briefly as to um, what you thought of them and uh, and their message in regards to the wood board issue that we were going through earlier in the year i just, well i just think that they've they've learned a lot and that they're now ready to take a much more reasoned approach to working with cheesemakers and determining how how we're going to establish safe standards for our products i mean mm-hmm. i think they they're you know really really out in the woods in terms of understanding what we do but but it it sounded to me as though they're willing to listen harder and um, give us more opportunities to to communicate. Did did you guys get the same thing? Or they they did a good job of um, I think comporting themselves very respectfully towards our organization. I would say. What I about you, Deborah? That, you think? I do, and I think that it's a tribute. Uh, I think that they're very wise to not ignore the professionalism and the expertise that lies within the organization. They need to make us a friend and not a foe. Um, so I, I was pleased to hear what they had to say, and I hope that they, they make good upon those statements because um, we, we have a lot to offer. I thought it was a real tribute to this society. I also understand that the night before, a couple of them went around on the pub crawl, and I thought, <laughs> if ah. anything's going to be changed in terms of rules and regulations, there isn't a better way to you get them drunk the on the pub crawl. The- get them drunk, sign on the dotted line. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I do all my really business. encouraging. Me. <laughs> well, I um, oh. um, I wanted to say. Uh, just um, thanks um, to all of you guys. Uh, the ACS was wonderful. I had, I had this is only the second time I had been in a number of years, and that makes me 
not a good guy, but I was really glad to be there. <laughs> and um, Jeremy, uh, your cheese is awesome. I know now I'm not going to be able to get any of it, but that's all right. <laughs> you have it all. Oh. You have it all. Thank oh, you guys so much. <laughs> I really appreciate all of you um, and you uh, know, and your support. You're the You're best. You're very welcome. And Congratulations. Deborah, thanks for coming on. And uh, Diane, thanks for being here. You're the best. And uh, tune in uh, next week for another episode of uh, of Cutting the Curd on the on the Heritage Radio Network. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.